United Colours, hosted by Caroline Verdon and Paul Carruthers. Voices from the LGBT plus staff network at Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust. Hello and welcome to episode four. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have missed any of our other episodes, don't panic, you can go back and listen to them at any point. Uh, But this week we speak to Naz. Now, Naz is a staff nurse at Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust, and he's also a gay man. This episode resonates probably the most with me being a gay man, um, and Naz's story I find really powerful. And during our conversation, you know, I had to try and and hold back some emotions myself. I think he's an incredible individual, and and I hope you all enjoy listening to his story. I put like a, it's like an act when I come to work. Um, my uniform is like my armour in a way, and my sexuality and me is not really important. What is important is my patient, my patient experience and their journey. In my private life, yeah, I like to be identified as a gay man. But in my professional life, I'm more kind of busy about their needs and how can I improve their journey and their experience more than anything. Uh, but if people do question, because I do like to wear my, my rainbow badge, I like to wear my rainbow lanyard you get people looking at you <laughs> and that that's probably a, a light of it like a bit of attention seeker <laughs> <laughs> but you know we're on to we're on to episode four and again another person that is very much it's not about me my sexuality isn't about me I come to work for my yeah, patients absolutely because coming to work my focus about others mm. it's about what can we do for that for our patients and that's where I come from really mm. And I I can completely understand why that is, because you wouldn't enter that profession unless it was all about the patients, unless you had that kindness, that nurturing nature within yourselves. But there's one thing about my identity and my sexuality. It's not important in the workplace in that sense. But equally, it's quite a large part of us as individuals and, and who we are. And I've always been afforded the privilege of being able to turn up to a workplace and just instantly just be able to be myself because I've never had well I mean obviously I've had to worry that people might be like oh god she's here again but I've never had to worry that people will be prejudiced towards me or treat me any differently Um, and that isn't necessarily always the case and I think with LTHT it's very different because within LTHT personally myself I feel safe in being me so therefore, I don't have to work as hard whilst in a very male, machoistic, kind of vulnerable uh, environment. I've always been on tenterhooks. Someone's going to look at me one way and it just takes one kind of glance and that's it. The, uh, <laughs> your card is marked in a way because that you'd have become a target. Mm. I've had a heightened awareness in, a, in certain environments. Uh, but in this workplace, I've been very lucky. Everybody's embraced me as myself. I didn't have to sound stupid to say that I'm gay. I think for some people, I can work it out just by talking to me. Or just, uh, you know, but, and, but I take that as Jess. But in, in certain work environments, I have been a fairly kind of aware of how I approach and speak to people. Here, it's much more safer, I would say. And identity and sexuality at work... It's never been important, but in a different environment, it has been. I, I had to be more aware about mm. myself and how I kind of speak to people, mm. if that makes sense. How draining that must be to be oh, in a absolutely. workplace where you can't be yourself and for fear of even attack, I guess. Yes, and I try to do my best, but there's always looking for that chink in the armour 
where they can kind of target you. And you say, you know, you've always felt like you could be yourself at Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Do you think that's because of the job role and the work or do you think that's because of an environment that's been cultivated? I think it's the environment, to be fair. I've been fortunate with my colleagues. It has been relaxed. It's been easy. It's not been very difficult for me at all. If you ask anybody at work, I'm, I'm straightforward and honest. Mm-hmm. And whatever they want to ask, and I'm happy to educate and enlighten people's thoughts of about me and what I represent. Probably I'm, I'm some kind of person statisticians probably dream what I, well, <laughs> I represent. Well, would you, I mean, and it, you know, and it's great that you're happy to tell your story and you're here on this podcast episode. That's what it's all about. I wonder, you've sort of talked about, you know, a statistician's dream. Um, I know because we, we've met before, but I mean, would you be able to talk a little bit more about I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the headings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am gay. I am Pakistani. I'm Muslim. I'm HIV, and with all of that, makes who I am. And I'm not afraid to tell that to anybody. My journey where I am today has not been quite easy, but with the tools I've been give, given as, as a child and use that, I, I've been very fortunate to have my faith and to have that. My, my faith is personal to me. And my faith is only that I'm only answerable to my God. And that uh, that has been, without that, I don't think I would have got to where I am today. And that's been kind of my, my like a little toolbox I'll go into and say, right, what do I need today? My faith and my journey has been very important through that. And you say it's, you know, it's, it's not always been easy for you. Did you realise you were gay at a young age? Did you realise later? I think, yeah, I always had a, a kind of an affection and a, I was drawn to men. And that's who I, I, I kind of sexually was satisfied with. So then coming out was not the easiest of journeys because by coming out, was seen as taboo because I'm from a very religious family and I was disowned uh, from a very young age. I'm talking about, you know, 15, 16. So I had to bring myself up and I was, I've been homeless. I've been street homeless. And, and, and when I do talk about my journey, about being homeless and having these experiences, which I would never uh, wish upon anyone, um, some people have gone on to probably drink and drugs. I haven't. I went on to something completely different. And again, I don't mind sharing, but it's part of me. I, I went into, um, let's just say, paid work. I think you can work that one out. And, and um, yeah, and that's only because I just have a roof over my head to be able to have a meal. And that's what I did to survive and I would not be here today had I not met the people which are my guardian angels today that I can go to for more support and guidance. When I was diagnosed with HIV, to me it was a relief and, and I've seen it sorry, as a, a long-term condition. I didn't see it as a, like your headstone is written there and you're, you're going to die in a few months. I says, okay, I have it, let's move on. I can't really explain. It's, it just, I had this inner in drive. Mm. If I'm in a situation, I just battle through it. I just never, I never look back. I just, okay, moving forward. A survivor. I mean, that's all I, that's all I hear when you're talking. You're a real survivor. I mean, I think I'm driven, but the thought of 15 and being homeless and my son is nearly 12. I just can't imagine how, how scary that must have been um, just because of, 
your sexuality. My family didn't mince any words in about saying that's it. Even to the point I to send you to somewhere to be cleansed. Oh, there's a demon inside you. Let's say we need to get that out of you. Uh, there's something the society's corrupted you. Well, that's it's me. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way. Yeah. And my family it couldn't really register. They couldn't really understand that. Did you know that this that this was how your family were going to react before you told them? Yeah. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a scary moment. And when you say that your faith is very personal to you, um, I don't know enough about the Muslim faith. Um, what does your faith say about homosexuality? Uh, it's wrong that people of the same sex are not to lie in the same bed together and that it's basically just haram, it's wrong. Um, that this mind is corrupted and I don't believe that it's me it's who I am they say God creates in his own image and if that's who I am then I'm not going to change that I don't let those things get me down they're not important to me what is important is basically being good and able to help other people I think that's where my kind of mindset goes really how how did you go from being homeless at 15 16 (laughs) to becoming a staff nurse I mean well actually that's my second uh, degree my first one's in council psychotherapy so i met a very cool guy um uh, alan and it was through him and from there to get my psychology degree this is when i um, got with my late teens 20s and f- through his support and guidance and then when i worked in drug and alcohol within mental health for, for a while um i then decided nurses got the cool jobs and um and that's before i got diagnosed and got diagnosed in 2004 26th of april the date you never forget and um and from that, that day forth i thought you know it's not a death sentence it's not an, an end of career uh, moment you can actually turn it around and bring it to a positive i think that's what i've done with myself had it not been for alan and, and that's what i'm saying the guardian angels in my life and had i not met these people I won't be sat here talking today and they kept me in the straight and narrow and able to go through my own counselling and my own kind of psychotherapy in terms of just understanding me as a person. So you talk about your guardian angels yes. and Alan. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know, were they LGBT plus? Alan was, others, yeah. others weren't. Okay. Um, they were just the people that I just met through walks of life through alan's friends through support groups not necessarily sexuality even uh, being a samaritan for a short while as well <laughs> i've done many things i've met wonderful people and um i've been very fortunate okay i'm not in touch with my family and to be true to myself i've sacrificed my culture i've sacrificed my family um, and I don't want to say I'm alone or I'm on, my, on my own. I do find it because um, even like relationships, and you, you try, you think, oh, this is going somewhere with someone. Bombing the HIV bomb, that's it. It's it's a it's a it's a game changer. Nobody wants to know you're a leper. So, about twelve years ago, I did an audio documentary for the NHS on HIV, um, and I went into doing this documentary as the most ignorant person in the world. I'd seen EastEnders. Um, I knew what HIV was. Um, And it was an absolute eye-opener. I went into it thinking, 
HIV is a death sentence. And then I met all of these 20 or 30 different people who completely proved that that was not the case in in any way. And I remember one of them talking to me and saying, well, it's a bit like diabetes. You know, it's something that you have to manage, but you go on and have a, a life just like everybody else. Because there are medications, aren't there, that you can take that lower the viral load. So you actually, you can't pass on HIV. You can't transmit it. I've been quite proud of that, Caroline. I've been quite proud. I am um, U equals U. Mm. I'm still on the same medication and and I, I am undetectable, and which is untransmittable. And how does it work with patients? Um, obviously, it's not something that you would, I, I, I mean, I presume it's not something you'd ever have to declare to. A, you well, know. that's an interesting one because they, they are precautions you need to take. So you've got taking blood. Uh, double glove. There are certain precautions, but, but I do tell my manager because I think they're managing me um, and my sickness. So therefore, I think it's important for them to know. And equally, occupational health as well. They need to know about it as well. I think for me, it's important for them to know because it then safeguards me and I know I'll be protected. I think that's what it's about. Should it be an, a different employer? I don't think they would be as, as warm into it. Well, we're lucky to have you as a nurse Thank to you. have gone through. I mean, I'm sorry you've gone through some of the life experiences that you've gone through, but I mean, you're an incredibly positive person and talking yeah. about how it's made you who you are. And I think that in turn has made you a fantastic nurse that probably has great empathy to to your patients. Thank you. Thank you. I think for me it was, um, I want to pass this kind of positivity to others. Yeah. I think the hardest bit is accepting yourself first and that, till you get across that hurdle. For years, I thought, it's dirty. I've got a dirty disease and it took me a long time. I struggled with it. But it's like a long-term condition now. It's part of me. It's my long-term condition. Do you know what? It's not the be-all and end-all and that we need to speak up, especially the kind of minority I represent. And I don't think that's well advertised or spoken much about in the community because it's do not talk about it. it does not happen well actually it does mm. i think we need to have that more open and kind of uh that open candor really with people that say mm. this is what it is and you need to be open and honest about it i'm not saying that it's easy it's difficult you just got to find that place and not find someone that you trust and not many people will find that one person and it's something they may want to keep with themselves for the rest of their life. And that's okay, yet it can manifest in different ways. If you don't share it, yeah, you'll become ill or things will happen un- unintentionally. What can workplaces do to not just be supportive? Because sometimes that's that's not enough to just support. We were saying when we spoke to Ellie in our last episode, and she was talking about how um, you have to not just have a policy in place, but be overly welcoming. So people know from the get go that this is a space that is going to accept you. Um, What does that look like for you? I think if on an employer's perspective, a manager's perspective, I've not had that much of a difficulty. They've been interested to ask me questions. I don't think they've had this kind of uh, honesty before. And and they listened. And I, and then when I spoke on a World AIDS Day uh, with the ICU, 
And they ask about a similar question for their patients. What can they do for more for their patients? And I'm says, it's just about listening, going back to basics again. And it's about those people looking after people who have gender and identity or status as mine. Is those managers not to say, oh, I'll support when you need it. There has to be an open, open dialogue and say, right, this is what you need. As a trust, what can we do to support your needs? I was talking about the other day about the BME side of things, and I don't think that much is spoken about. You do have a BME network, and which I'm part of. Again, that BME LGBT, is there a need? I don't know. I don't know what that's I don't know if that's required. I don't know. That's really interesting, like whether or not there's room for a a multi-minority network or something. Yeah, because mm. some, not in a bad way. Yes, it's nice to have a little LGBTQ plus support group and a core group. That's fantastic. Learn ideas, see what other people are doing. But yeah, there are certain things where it's difficult to express unless somebody knows about it from your background they may not able to get it because when we when our parents or our people that came from from different countries they brought with them their kind of values their cultures their beliefs to this country which to the the bigger population was very alien and now try to explain to someone who's not from that background is very difficult yeah. so which is why i get it yeah you know, i really do get it absolutely i think it's important and culture is important and, and culture and as you've you know, eloquently talked about tonight, you know, the the impact that's had on you because of your sexuality is something that I wouldn't have had to have thought about, certainly from being white. Um, So I think it is important Mm. that there sometimes is the cross cross network. I think it's really important that Mm. is just to even get it off the ground in terms of people say, you know, I am struggling with this identity that I may have. Am I thinking the right way? What's happening? And and the... With only from a male perspective, and the expectations from a male of a, of of a certain background, there's so much much expectation that side to provide, to look after, to bring a family, and it's so difficult just to move away from that that you are seeing that you are abandoning any family. There's so much kind of that captures in that kind of culture, faith, tradition mm-hmm. that people will struggle and I couldn't live up to it and I just was more true to myself and you know what, that's all I could deal with was be honest to me. Such a powerful story and so important to tell it as well and, and to listen and he's a person who sees a hurdle and doesn't think, well, that's the end of the road. Instead, just jumps it. He's so inspirational. And he's achieved so much in incredibly difficult circumstances. And it it actually makes me really excited about, well, what's he going to achieve next? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when he started telling his story about becoming homeless, and I think to myself, but you're here as a staff nurse. How did you get to the point of applying for uni, getting through uni, qualifying, you know, getting to this point he's just as you say he's just overcome every hurdle and he's a real inspiration to all communities that he talks about in this in this episode well that is about all we have time for not just in today's episode but for this series so we would like to say a huge thank you to our guests for sharing their lives with us uh, because i know that can't have been easy but personally as well i'm so grateful because hearing these stories it's really made me understand a lot more and see how I can be a better support. So I'm really grateful for that. I have just learned so much. 
Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, you started this as as an ally. I've started this as a, somebody who's part of the LGBT community, but I've learned so much. And, and this series was supposed to be a conversation starter. And I really do think that's what we've done. Now, if anyone listening, working at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust wanted to be a part of the staff network, how do they go about doing that? Anyone that wants to get involved would be very welcome to. Um, all our information is on the Trust intranet pages. And we've also got a Twitter account, so you can find us on there um, by searching LTHT LGBT plus staff network. And so that's it from us. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to listen again. And if you do have any feedback, please do get in touch. United Colours, hosted by Caroline Verdon and Paul Carruthers. United Colours is an audio production from Under the Mast.